Um, just drinking his moonshine and sitting in, in the middle of Atlanta, just making fun of people that came by and arguing about who Shepard Book was. Welcome, everyone, to Episode 5 of The Deep End with Halen Pittman. Thanks for showing up again. My guest tonight, Mr. Rob Sosby. Hey, Halen. How's it going, man? That's pretty good, man. Uh, thanks for coming on. Oh, awesome, man. Uh, happy to be here. Brought to you, of course, as always, from my garage in beautiful Williamston, South Carolina. And uh, I appreciate that people are out there listening. So thanks, everyone. What would you like to talk about tonight, Mr. Sosby? Uh, how about uh, we talk a little bit about cosplay and costuming in general and maybe even a little LARPing in there. How about that? Give a little background first, if you can, on what cosplay costuming is and how you got involved in it. Well, just like most people that cosplay, it starts off as just Halloween costumes and a love for that. I mean, you learn that there are conventions and events out there to where you can take those Halloween costumes and wear them outside of Halloween. And it turns into something you can do year round. It started off in Japan. Cosplay is costume play is what it stands for. And uh, a lot of what uh, has made cosplay popular has happened probably within the past decade. Is of course, it's been going on since the, uh, the 60s and 70s at a lot of early Star Trek conventions. But the actual uh, pop mentality of that hasn't really hit big until, like I said, the past decade. And since then, it's just boomed to where a lot of conventions you go to, you feel out of place if you're not in costume. Because of that, there has been varying opinions and mentalities for not only cosplayers themselves, but for the general public. Specifically, I think we can talk about that uh, originally the influence in Japan comes from anime, of course. Of course, yes. That, that people wanted to recreate the characters and play out in mostly convention situations and i may be just talking out of the side of my butt but in, it seems like in fashion in japan especially like trendy fashion that there's always been that high art high dress effect like you have like visual uh, what do they call it visual kai yeah the uh the 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 very high operatic metal style and then you have you know your gothic lolita styles your what is the style that they call where the women have platinum hair and like super, super dark oh, bird skin? The one where they make fun of, that's, that's specifically to make fun of um, <laughs> Western and American culture. Um, yeah, I can't remember the name. I can never remember it either, but yeah, they have like platinum blonde hair, like white eyeshadow and like super, super fake tan and things right. like that. It's specifically for the purpose of making fun of like American Hollywood, Florida culture and things like and, that. And these are all things, forgive me, someone out there listening, if I'm because I'm, I'm a layman. It seems that that high level of camp and costuming in youth culture translates very easily into be like, hey, well, you, we'll dress up like yeah. our things that we love. And I think you can also go back to historical reenactments. Oh, absolutely. I mean, those guys have been doing that stuff forever. <laughs> and that's the joke that we make all the time is if we, we've been at conventions before and we've seen or reenactors across the street or something like that. And like, oh, they're cosplaying the Patriot. So, <laughs> so yeah, there's, there's all sorts of different things like that and aspects of it. But the base of it just comes down to wearing a costume in a public setting, to be honest yeah. with you. For what I understand, it's mostly inspired these days by anime, science fiction, 
video games. Comic book. And really just about anything, especially a lot of pop culture conventions, conventions that encompass all aspects of these types of media, Dragon Con and things like that, where they're not a specific comic book convention or a specific anime convention. If you, at those conventions, you see people cosplay everything. And there's no specific medium that people draw from. You see everything from the blue and orange tuxedos from Dumb and Dumber to a random character that maybe had a five-second screen time on some sitcom from you know the 90s. You never know what you're going to see. So there's no one specific draw. The majority of these are your you know animes, your comic books, and things like that. And there are a lot of websites and YouTube channels dedicated specifically to how to make these certain costumes. And a lot of people out there making a living selling nothing but parts for these costumes. I was going to say, it's definitely broken into the mainstream when uh, television shows like, like Heroes of Cosplay, we have people who make a living both making and performing as these characters. It's a double-edged sword in that aspect and the fact that Heroes of Cosplay, it does show that it's going mainstream, but also a lot of people have a problem with it because it shows a lot of the culture in a bad or wrong light because editing can make anything appear in any light you want it to. And one of the problems that a lot of people see from a show like Heroes of Cosplay or as the general public looking on to the cosplay community is you do have a lot of people out there that wear a specific costume because they they love that character or they love that franchise. But you also have what something like Heroes of Cosplay portrays, which is where people are doing a costume just because it's the popular thing and just because they think they can win a costume contest with it. There's a lot of people out there now that as soon as you see a a poster or a teaser trailer that they're making these costumes from this movie. You don't even have all the reference shots yet or something like that, but they're already trying to pump out these costumes, which isn't necessarily a bad thing. There's just people out there doing it for, I'm not going to say the wrong reasons. It's just not as pure of a reason. But I'm, I'm not cost famous or what a lot of people consider cost famous, which are your, your Yaya Hans and your Negri, Jessica Negri and people like that, the ones that are on Heroes of Cosplay and you know they get paid to show up for these conventions and things like that, which personally I don't necessarily agree with the term professional cosplayer. I'm not bashing the people that are invited as cosplayers themselves. It's just something that I've always been unsure about as far as that aspect of the cosplay community is when you're paid to show up in your costume to a convention that you were probably going to go to anyways in costume. And the only thing you have to offer is just being there in that costume and selling autographed prints of yourselves. Uh, I'll, I'll get slack for that too, because I have friends that have been invited to do so. And, you know, I, I fully support all my cosplay friends that are invited like that. It's just one aspect of a convention that I've always been kind of iffy about, you know? I remember recently told me you went to a convention that you thought the quality of the convention was lowered because people were there more about seeing and being seen than actually enjoying the, the comic creators. Oh, absolutely. The, yeah. That's something I feel like is, is happening to the majority of conventions out there you know in the early days of these conventions star trek conventions and comic book conventions you went to meet these artists or these actors for the tv shows experience meeting with other people and exchanging ideas and that and as cosplay became bigger and bigger people started showing up to say hey look at my new costume they don't care who's there even say for example uh, an anime convention to where every guest there is 
a voice actor for these animes or artists for the mangas or something like that. I've done it myself. You show up in something, a costume that's outside that medium. You really don't know. You don't know who the the guests are there. You really don't care. You're just there to say, hey, look at my costume that I'm here in that has nothing to do with anything going on at this convention. And these people go into the dealer rooms. You know, they don't support any of the dealers there. They just go to specifically try and find photographers to get pictures taken of themselves and hope that someone will notice their costume. That's the only reason they go. What happens at these conventions, a lot of people are losing sight of. They're losing the sight of these artists and these great actors and things like that just because they want to go and show off. Seems like high school, man. <laughs> it, it really is. It's what it comes down to. you know. And, and I, everything I'm saying, too, I've been guilty of myself. And it's, it's how I'm able to look back and say, okay, this isn't right. Or this, there's, there should be other reasons that you're doing this. Okay. And I've done it before, too. You know, for friends, I don't come to this convention with us. So like, well, I don't really know what's going on. But, you know, I'll take this Red Hood costume to, this, to Anime Weekend Atlanta or whatever. And you have other people show up doing the same thing. But, you know, I, I feel like to fully make these conventions thrive... You have to support the reason that the convention is being orchestrated, which is to, to, to support and celebrate these different mediums, whether it's Star Trek, whether it's anime, whether it's sci-fi in general, and to, you know, meet these actors and things like that, because that's the only way you'll, you'll continue these, these different mediums. We have more conventions, at least here in the Southeast, like in these past couple of years, than I have ever seen. We have people that, that are throwing cons like every three weeks somewhere in the southeast that's a couple of different reasons for that one reason is everyone is trying to hop on the convention bandwagon it's not something that's easily thrown together and will survive i've i've seen quite a few conventions that have tried to pop up within the state they're like okay we're doing this convention at this time during the year don't have a venue don't have a plan other than saying hey we're going to do this convention at this time don't have a budget don't have any money raised or anything and they're trying to start a crowdfunding to to support these conventions they they haven't even solidified the convention itself it's made the fail off the bat and i'll i'll plug one of the local conventions because it was ran the way i feel like a convention should be ran and was successful because of that and that's south carolina comic-con that happened uh, this past may at td convention center in greenville it was ran by rob young at borderlands comics in greenville one of rob's dreams has always been not only to own his own comic book shop but also to have his own comic book convention he's been planning this for years and he didn't set the convention in stone until he was absolutely sure he was ready to do so and a lot of these people are just trying to hop on that quick bandwagon to try and say okay here's a convention it's going to happen in three months don't know where it's going to be and we're going to have all these guests there but they don't realize they have these guests cost money you have to have venue costs and things like that so insurance taxes they're set to fail right off the bat so there's there's a lot of bandwagon conventions that are popping up and they're they're just not going to go anywhere the other conventions that are happening are corporate owned conventions and those are ones you're speaking about the the wizard world yeah speaking directly about wizard world and the reason wizard world gets the numbers it does in a lot of places is because they use the term comic con at the end of it which is it's my to my understanding not a copywritten thing because san diego comic con is the big one every year and it's not a part of wizard world but wizard world pops up a convention at least every weekend in different cities across the united states with insert that city name space comic con that's what they do but they specifically look for and they said they haven't but they have you can look at the records and see it they specifically look at 
new conventions popping up in specific areas, if they're successful and if they are trying to strong arm them out or right. trying to make it to where they're not as successful. One example being Wizard World is coming to Greenville next May. And because they've seen MonsterCon last July, South Carolina Comic Con this May, and then um, MonsterCon again this past July, that's the only reason that they would come to Greenville. A big corporate-owned convention like that, not putting on Greenville or anything, but they don't have a reason to just randomly show up to Greenville one year. I mean, that's, that's all there is to it. But they look at where these conventions are, and they see what's free around that time, and they just try to strong-arm the way out of it. This past year in their Atlanta show, there was a convention going on in, in Birmingham, Alabama, Alabama Phoenix Festival. Um, it was a second-year show, the other one being Con Carolinas in uh, Charlotte, also a really great show. Nothing going on in Atlanta that weekend, so they tried to put one right in the middle of both of them to try and get their numbers down at both other conventions. And again, they'll deny it up and down, but you can look at their track record and see that's exactly what they're doing, because there, there wasn't anything scheduled in Atlanta three months before this. And they were just like, all right, here's our Atlanta convention. They try to strong arm the corporate power they have into it. So they try to get big name actors and things like that there, but not a lot else. Um, everyone that I've talked to that has gone to one of the Wizard World conventions has said that they're just standing in line to get autographs and not a whole so, lot else. It's, it's another one of those conventions where people show up largely for... A, to get a couple autographs, and B, just to say, you know, hey, look at my costume. But, you know, not, not putting those people down because a lot of people go to these conventions not realizing quality of the convention. But everyone I've talked to after the fact has been like, that was terrible. So any convention in the area is not a bad convention just because it shows you that that area wants wants to have that kind of thing and because like Cyclone Comic Con was successful, Monster Con was successful. So it shows that, you know, those kind of things can be supported around here. But if something like Wizard World knows that they can get numbers based upon that for people that will just show up. You know, that uh, the guys at South Carolina Comic Con has always said, you know, they're, they're, they don't try to compete with anyone. There's always people saying, you know, you're competing with this, you're competing with that. You're not competing with anyone. Every show is different. South Carolina Comic Con is not going to compete with Heroes Con because there's, there's two different shows. They're both comic book based, but, you know, there's, there's two different shows. Same thing where South Carolina Comic Con is not competing with Monster Con. Again, two different shows. Just bringing that up because I've heard that a lot lately with the... Uh, with the different shows and where he said, oh, well, Dragon Con's competing with so-and-so or Heroes right. Con's competing with so-and-so. Nobody's competing with anyone. Yeah. Go to the show you want. Yeah, I don't, I don't want them to compete. I want them all to exist. Oh, exactly. Like, Absolutely. Because, like, I mean, in the Southeast, if we're not going to do it, no one else is going to do it except for Atlanta. And Atlanta Atlanta is basically the only general convention for everything there. Like oh, yeah. the rest of the Southeast, nothing. Mm, Unless not you go either. all the way up to, like, D.C., yeah. Or you go out, you know, out to Texas. Yeah, pretty much your your options are Atlanta, Charlotte for consistent ones. I'm speaking size wise oh, yeah, too, because yeah, there's wise, there's yeah. smaller conventions everywhere. Oh yeah. Some of my favorite things about conventions, I love old nerds. Oh yes. Because these people have so many battle scars and stories. I love sitting around and talking to to, to people in their 40s, 50s, and 60s who come out to these things because they have so many good stories about what it was like to enjoy the stuff before the internet. This is why uh, conventions like Dragon Con, Dragon Con's always my favorite convention every year just because not only it's, it's a huge convention, yeah, and there's a lot to do there. And no matter what time of the day, if you want to do something at 4 o'clock in the morning, you can find something to do. But also because that is the best place you can find for convention vets. You, you'll you'll be walking around uh, just kind of mingling, having a good time, and you get stopped by a random 
guy in his 50s wearing a kilt and a beard down to his belly button and he brings you over for a jello shot that his brother's sitting on a cooler full of and next thing you know it's three o'clock in the morning and you're you're in a filk circle somewhere you know so <laughs> you, you never know what'll what'll happen there, well let's so. let's talk about filking there just for a second so you get <laughs> uh, it is it is folk music relative to genre stories like you'll you'll do performances of folk music about classically like star trek oh, i think yes. is where it starts and then there'll be you know other high fantasy things you know lord of the rings one yeah. of the popular ones is the the firefly filking uh the some of the best ones are ones where there's no no written lyrics it's just them doing stuff off the fly and so, some are better than others i will say of course, <laughs> of course. So, but i think you come at it with an open heart so oh absolutely, it works, it works absolutely. it's one of those things where you know it's you either love it or hate it well, some people will hate it at first and will sit and listen to what they're singing about like, okay i'll give you the lyrics that's pretty good that's on a convention tangent there what do you personally like to and, and, and i don't know what the verb is for it mm-hmm. do you just use cosplay what do you like to cosplay well, there's a breakdown of it. Let's 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 break down this verbiage. This is this is one of my little pet peeves. And I was actually thinking about this on the way over here. Okay. I had a feeling this was going to come up. But this is one of my little pet peeves as a cosplayer. Uh, again, cosplay meaning costume play. Cosplay is what you do. Yeah. What you do while cosplaying is you wear a costume. You don't wear a cosplay. Right. You wear a costume while cosplaying. So uh, it always gets me to where people are like, well, I'm working on my new cosplay. You're making a costume. A, you're not making a cosplay. You are cosplay. You are cosplaying. It mainly gets me around Halloween, where cosplayers say, I don't know what I'm going to cosplay for Halloween. <laughs> you're not going to cosplay anything for Halloween. Because you don't wear a Halloween costume. Right, because I mean, you can't use it to be like, what am I going to dress up as for this con? You worry about dress up being like kind of infantilizing yeah, they, it. They try, to, they try to make it seem other than what it is, which right. is you're a grown adult, dressing as your favorite fantasy or fiction characters i do it we all do it call it what it is you're playing dress up don't try to disguise it as such yes we all like to say we are cosplayers or we cosplay but you're not making a cosplay you're making a costume for your cosplay you're not cosplaying halloween you're making a halloween costume So, you know, that's, that's the way I feel anyways. A lot of people like to argue with me about that, but, you know. Then what would you think are some of your favorite things to perform? Would you accept the word perform? Like when I go to a convention, performing my costumes? Or... I'm trying to get up some of the things that you have done and really enjoy to do. Okay, yeah. My, my favorite is always my Ghostbuster suit. Ghostbusters has always been, you know, near and dear to my heart. Ever since I was a kid, uh, watching the movie for the first time, the, the cartoon, always loved it i'm currently chief of the south carolina ghostbusters we're a cosplay group um every state pretty much has their own ghostbuster franchise we do a lot of charity work fundraisers anytime we set up a booth at an event any donations we take in goes to scares that care which is a a charity out of uh, virginia that donates 110 percent of their proceeds to children that are cancer patients moms that have gone through breast cancer treatment everything they do is 110 percent out the door and everything that we do when we show up to a convention is straight donated to them that's my my favorite costume to wear is my ghostbuster gear me and my uh, my best bud jason sanders started doing that as a halloween costume in 2000 2011 made our packs out of 
junk from the dollar store in Lowe's. Some parts on there were like a Pringles can and styrofoam and things like that. And then after we got done with that, we're like, we can do this. So we, we started finding legitimate parts that you can find online. And we made pretty close to movie accurate proton packs uh, that we're very proud of. It's our, our little babies, um, lights and sound and everything on them. And that's our favorite thing to do right there. And I've done everything from Jack Harkness. I've done Deadpool before, just like everybody else nowadays. I've done Red Hood, uh, Jason Todd, uh, making me forget all the ones. I've done Shredder. I'm currently working on uh, a version of Goku from Dragon Ball Z. I've always, I, I grew up on Dragon Ball Z going home watching Toonami, so I wanted to do that. And you work towards the, uh, the, the Super Sentai Power Rangers stuff? Yes, currently waiting very impatiently for my White Ranger suit from uh, the original MMPR. Basically, well, let me give, give you a little bit of a background of why I'm doing like Goku and MMPR uh, Power Rangers. Is, and it's real big right now for some reason for people to make a one-shot costume, wear it to a convention, and then sell it. I don't know why. A lot of people just want to be able to bang out as many costumes as they can for, for a year. So they'll sell one costume and fund the next one. I'm in the phase right now to where I want to make specific costumes that I want to hold on to for as long as I can. Things that are icons for my childhood. The first one I ever made, of course, was Ghostbusters. That's one that I'll never, ever get rid of that proton pack. The other one being uh, the White Ranger from the original power ranger series for the super geeks out there kiba ranger from the gosai sentai dai ranger for the japanese version i've always been a fan of what's considered to be a sixth ranger in the power ranger series the green ranger the white ranger so on and so forth so the white ranger and the green ranger always one that stuck with me as a kid so that's what i'm waiting on right now i'm not making that myself because i can't sew and i can't mold and sculpt my own helmets so i'm waiting on that to come in goku i wanted to make just because i wanted an anime costume uh animes nowadays are, are great because they have these int- intricate storylines and all sorts of different things going on but sometimes just some good old punch in the face screaming at the tv dragon ball z is what you need i, I grew up with fist of the north star See, so fist i can definitely, star, I can definitely agree yeah i'm currently working on a a star wars tk suit tk is that's your generic stormtrooper referring to in a new hope when they are in the detention hall and they're trying to radio to see if there's a problem and they ask for TK421. So I'm working on, on that right now, uh, working on a Batman suit. I want to get an 89 suit just because Keaton is always my Batman. Uh, and a couple of things like that, just con- costumes that I feel like I want to hold on to f- for as long as I can and things are, my, are icons for me growing up. Well, to talk a little bit about the movie we're watching tonight, Monster Camp, it's a documentary, but it follows for a year around a group of LARPers in the Northwest, LARPing being live-action role-playing. I chose this because originally talking with Rob, some of his ideas about people who, for what reasons uh, do you costume, you love this, or are you there to, to see and be seen? I think there's value in both sides, but I think people who do it in LARPing do it only for their own personal enjoyment. Oh, I mean, you are in live action role playing, you are playing your character. And some of these people have these characters that they've built over years. So they want, they don't want just a character sketch that they've draw, drawn on a piece of paper. They do full body makeup and everything. When I originally saw this documentary, it really impressed me and I thought it was really cool. So, uh, Rob and I are going to go ahead and watch monster camp and then we'll be back. And to give a little background, this uh, documentary is from 2007. It's made by a man named Cullen Hoback. 
It follows a group of LARPers in Seattle uh, playing the Nero system. It's a yeah. continuous high fantasy role-playing game where uh, individuals pay to come and play in events in like state park, you know, large farms to and play out over a weekend an entire plot, like overarching stories. And like a lot of uh, intense RPG games, people have been developing some of these characters for years. Uh, a lot of these people, um, they're very intense, not only about the characters on the PC side of it, but also about their own plot that they're writing out from the NPC side. Like these guys that are, that are running it and uh, maintaining the story arc. Uh, a lot of these guys I've seen, not just in the documentary, but... In conventions that I've been to have you know been writing these stories for years and if yeah. so everyone's very passionate when they get involved about their characters and I thought it would be kind of a an interesting little side note related to, to costume play all of these characters dress as their characters to certain levels some very in depth and some uh, up, up to their ability that's kind of where the, the parallel with cosplayers and convention goers go is everyone does these uh, LARPing events because they're they're trying to escape their their own reality they want to get away for a weekend they want to you know not worry about work or school or family life you know they want to be in their own little world for a little bit and whether that's just imagining a better life for themselves within that or just taking a little bit of aggression with you know little foam sticks against uh, your little green-faced goblins Shane, who's our main character, who owns the the chapter of the uh, of the game, who's in extreme burnt out mode, is re- is ready to let it go because he can't get people to come in to continuously help him. Because if you're going to have a 24 hour, well, 72 hours, so you have to have an entire large structure of people to play all these. If you're going to have, you know, 50 player characters, you know, you got to at least have 15, 20 non-player characters oh, who yeah. will play the monsters the evil the characters that antagonist in the storyline yeah we have a few people who just showed up just to be big bads to play yeah. big monsters that's the the hard part i've i've seen about running a lot of these larger games is you have it's just like if you play wow and they bring up wow a lot in this game because this is you know wow is still going on but this is a high point in in world of warcraft but um everyone wants to be certain aspects of the game but they don't want to be the aspects you need for example when i played world of warcraft and you would try to raid because you would you would go into these dungeons with 20 30 40 people and try to kill these big bads you would need certain roles to be filled you would need your tank take the beating you would need your healers of course and you would need your your dps or your damage dealers your wizards your hunters people that would you know actually kill the big bad and you you have that problem shane was having in this little documentary you have people that'll fill the damage dealer roles or people that'll fill this role and that role but you need two or three more healers or you need another tank and you can never find someone that wants to fill that role i think at one point they actually had to have some player characters be monsters because they didn't have enough monsters to do one of the big fights so you, you, you force people into doing things that they don't want to do to make sure that the game progresses that's a big problem that i think some of these places have so. So you think this was a positive documentary? Uh, I definitely think it was interesting. I think they were trying to shed more of the negative light on this uh, toward the beginning of it. Toward the end, 
when they started talking about you know putting the game on on a hiatus and it started showing the more positive side as people got more emotional because it showed the positive side of this was that this was a way for them to have uh, friends to have social interaction to get away from the bad parts their own personal life. I think toward the beginning of it and toward the middle, they were trying to make it look weird. They were trying to make it look like what the average person sees LARPers as, those weird guys that live in their mom basements. I think they, they whether or not they intended to or not, it did kind of look like that toward the beginning of it. But toward the end, it became a, a positive documentary about what this does for these people. Val, we don't know why, but she's in a motorized wheelchair. Mm-hmm. She says these events, like every two months, are her her real chance to escape, you know, her home. Yeah, for, you know, forget about that chair. She she's a main costumer, and I guess she plays like a costumer tailor. And uh, and when she's there, you know, sitting at that, at her table selling her wares in game, she could just be anybody else, mm-hmm. and it, it, it gives her a little bit of freedom. Which I I think that that's the positive side of escapism. I always thought geekery, being a nerd, or however you want to say about it is just being passionate. And I think that I think it can be something to be admired. Doesn't matter if it's comic books, LARPing, costuming, even sports. Yeah, I mean, say in it's... my eyes, there's no difference between someone who has a football team plashed all over their car and they wear jerseys every weekend than, you know, me who dresses up and goes to a convention. I see no difference. I see that same thing with hunting, yep. with fishing, with with fashion. Yeah. Just straight plain fashion. It's all it all stems, I think, from the same thing. And and in any form it can be positive or mm-hmm. negative. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. There's with anything. There's definitely two sides of that coin. So I mean, it's because there's a very fine line between passion and obsession. We've mentioned escapism and things like that. And no matter what your escape is, everyone has it a little bit different. And there, there, there's no way anyone can judge anyone else for what they use as an escape, whether it's a football game, whether it's a LARPing event. My best bud, Jason Sanders, put it best: is for one weekend, people want to be Superman, not Clark Kent. And it's when you get up Monday morning and have to go back to being Clark Kent, that's when that gets kind of hard for a lot of people. To have those few days as Superman is when it, when it gets really important to those people. You know, in one way or another, that you're part of something. Oh, absolutely, yeah. absolutely. You know, the same thing with, with people who go to football games or go out to a concert and mm-hmm. you feel like you're a part of the experience. Cosplayers especially, because I've seen, I've seen a lot of people talk with them that are socially awkward. When they put on that costume, they are that person. They are Batman. They are Professor X. And that kind of brings up a good point, too. You mentioned um, Lady Val in the wheelchair. Yeah. I've seen a lot of cosplayers that use their wheelchair to their advantage. You know, Professor X is that are they're in that wheelchair for life, but they make the most of it. One of the best pictures I saw recently was a... Um, a little kid. I'm not sure what his ailment was, but you can tell he was physically disabled. They had put a toothless dragon on his wheelchair and dressed him up as a hiccup from How to Train Your Dragon. So oh. his wheelchair was was a giant model of toothless. And so, you know, there's, there's all sorts of ways to make whatever your ailment is to, you know, your your advantage. And that's, that's the beauty of these LARPing events or cosplaying or things like that. Also, people that have, have uh, lost limbs. I've seen a Terminator before. Man lost his leg in overseas serving in the military. He dressed up his prosthetic leg to look like a Terminator leg and he ripped up his pants 
amazing costume. He had prosthetics on his face, of course, looked like ripped skin, but he used the fact that he had lost his leg to his advantage, and you know, the, a lot of people are able to do that. Well, this has been a great discussion. I greatly appreciate it, Rob. Absolutely, man. It's been an honor and a pleasure. Greatly appreciate your, uh, your opinion and your passion, man. Absolutely, man. Thank you. I had a blast. Well, everyone, thanks for listening. As always, I'm Halen Pittman. My guest has been Rob Sosby. Have a good night. Thanks everyone for listening. Rob had a couple great rants I'm going to load up as separate files, so I hope you have a chance to enjoy those too. If you want to contact, I'm at Halen Pittman on Twitter, or you can reach me at the Deep End email at deependpodcast at gmail.com.